Oh, what got his ass now? You have to be fast in the track. I hate that guy. This race can change the rest of your life. My bottle got stretched a little bit. I got a tight little butt. I'm about to light this shit up. Coffee Chatter, show number 141 with former Canadian National Team BMX member, three-time Olympic snowboard cross athlete, two-time X Games medalist. We have Kevin Hill joining us on the show this week, T. Uh, he's going to be coming on a little bit. How are we doing? How are you doing, T? Good, good. Yeah, we just had a great show with Kevin. Man, really cool to catch up with him. He was a um, good BMX racer, too, and was on the Canadian National Team for BMX. Um, kind of like my older brother growing up too like he stayed over at our house a lot when he come down to vancouver area and we hung out a ton growing up so he's like my older brother um so yeah it's cool honestly I, it was really cool to watch him in three olympics now sochi pyeongchang and uh beijing so awesome career in silver cross he's won a x games gold and silver medal which is just insane yeah um, so yeah it was cool cool to hear him talk about snowboard cross and the, the uncanny simil similarities between uh snowboard cross and bmx I think people will find it really interesting and kind of wild that the amount of similarities between the issues that they have in their sport versus the issues we have in our sport and maybe not issues, but yeah, what he feels like this sport is turning into versus what we sometimes feel like it is too. It's, it'll be, it'll be interesting for people to hear. And it's fun just to talk uh, to somebody who's been in a BMX racer now turned snowboard cross racer because the sports are so similar. So hearing the things that he's been able to take from BMX and take him to snowboard cross now is pretty cool. Yeah, so I think you guys will really enjoy the show. It's uh, yeah, really interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, Pro Gate Europe team winning starts with a great gate. Great gate. Kevin Hill, great starter in snowboard cross. They didn't use Pro Gate Europe's there, but if he was a, if, you know, he would practice on a Pro Gate Europe. I I think he would too. If he was going to set up a gate, he'd get himself a Pro Gate Europe, and he'd work on those starts all the time. Yeah. Okay? Would. They would. Pro -Gate, if Pro Gate Europe made a, a gate for skier cross, border cross. Those would be the best gates out there because they're the best gates in BMX. They should totally make a border cross gate. They should. I think they should start. I asked the question about the gates. I don't want to spoil it, but I think they should start using our our call, our gate call in snowboard cross. God, that'd be fucking sick. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's how's um, the dirt? kids down in the desert for the week? Down in the desert right now. Down in Vegas, living the life, trying to get into some sunshine. It is uh, sunny. It's quite dry, like the desert is. Um, pretty breezy the last couple of days, actually. We got our track session canceled yesterday just because of high winds, which was kind of surprising. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's the desert, though. So when the winds blow, and it was, there were some major gusts. Yeah, yeah. So but it's nice to be in the sunshine again, not wearing a hoodie and sweatpants all the time, not wearing five layers. We rode the track the first day and just being like in race pants and a jersey, unbelievable how much the body or how easily the body was moving again. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's crazy. Like even um I was going through Molly's videos the other day and just being home, the weather's so bad. And it's like, dude, Canadians, we're fucking gnarly. Like in BMX, the stuff we train in is just we don't even think about it because the weather is just always bad throughout the winter and everything. But like we're always grinding through something. Yeah, we talk about it. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. And it's it's so true every time we say it. It's like the difference between like you riding in like five degree weather to then 25 degree weather it's drastic like trying to train in the rain when your body's not moving versus nice sunny day it's just easy to wake up easy to get the body moving 
Drastic condition changes, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty drastic. It makes us pretty bulletproof when it races. Like weather-wise, we don't really care. We just go do it. It's true. I gotta say though, somehow in Vancouver, we are getting really lucky with like no rain training. Like we weren't training in the rain very often. I don't know how. And then one day it was misting at the track and we started to get soft. There are some people, I'm not gonna call any names out here, we're starting to get soft. Had to push them through a little bit. Had to be like, guys, this is this is our element. If we're not comfortable right now, we don't have that edge. God, the cold, damp weather just fucking sucks. It's miserable. It is miserable. Really miserable. Waking up, waking up in the sunshine down here, it's crazy. First day, I was we were pretty tired. We had a crazy. Oh, I should tell you about this flight issue we had. But waking up in the sunshine, easy wake up, so easy. Oh, you wake up with so much more energy. Your mood's better. You just wake up at like seven a.m. No problem. Unbelievable. You yeah. just keep going. It's just like, yeah, this is this is fantastic. Waking up at seven a.m. in the dark, cold rain is feels like you're waking up at four. Yeah, seriously, they're right. It's like, what am I doing? Why am I even awake right now? So did you boys have one of those travel days or what? Oh, did we ever. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited to hear this. Like we said, <laughs> you got to pay your dues. You got to pay your dues. And I have been traveling for a little while. So, you know, it's about time I get on one of these flights and pay my dues. So it, we picked this easy flight down to Vegas. It's a one-way Air Canada. You think it's easy traveling, no big deal. Okay, so we get on the flight. Everything's going smoothly, you know, checking in. Get to that point we get to our gate uh we board the flight normal time we start getting delayed about 30 minutes because there was a, a flight from calgary people were trying to get on our flight to go to vegas so we were delayed about 30 45 minutes not the end of the world not a big deal uh we finally right before takeoff they come on the intercom and say they had to reset something on the plane it's going to be another 10 15 minutes but they took care of it no problem no big deal so we finally get take, back taken care of we, we take off we're flying like probably about an hour hour and a half into the flight Let, Mind you, it's only a two and a half, three hour flight down here. Pretty quick trip. So about an hour, hour and a half in, I'm watching my movie on my iPad, so I'm not hearing what they say over the uh, the intercom, we'll call it. What, what is that called? Yeah, PA intercom, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, when they come on the speakers there. So I don't hear anything. But all of a sudden, like I, after it stops, I hear everyone kind of flustering around and whatnot. So I kind of like I turn on the screen, I, I look to the side, and I can see the little map. And the plane on the map is just doing a U-turn. Halfway through the flight, the plane is just doing a U-turn back to Vancouver. And I'm like, what the hell is this all about? So I didn't hear shit. I had no idea what the problem was. But the plane's just heading back to Vancouver now, an hour and a half into the flight. No way. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So we turn around. We go back. Uh, I thought it was like Ryan texted me and we were joking. It was like, did they run out of fuel or like did they miscalculate something? We don't really know. So we land and I apparently... The thing they reset on the plane didn't reset properly or something like that. So they land the plane. They're like, all right, guys, just like sit tight on the plane. We're going to try to figure this out. We sat on the plane for another hour, hour and a half. They're trying to figure this, this issue out, reset this computer or whatever. Nothing seemed to work. So they finally like, uh, get off the plane. We deboard off the plane, get us off. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to switch planes now. So we get off. We're probably waiting in this like confined area for about like 30 minutes, probably 45 minutes till we get on a new plane. So now it's probably been like three, four hours since we were supposed to land by the time we took off for the next flight. So we were supposed to land like 2.30 in Vegas. I think we ended up landing at like 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, didn't get to, to the house here until like 8, 8.30. Just brutal. Wow. So why did they have to U-turn mid-flight? I don't, I don't get this. I don't know because we were flying just fine. Clearly, we literally were almost halfway to Vegas by the time they turned around and came right back. Then they never said like, what happened? 
like I never heard because I had my headphones uh, plugged into my iPad, so you know you don't hear like the uh, when the announcement comes on. So I didn't really have no idea. Any, didn't ask anyone or anything. Or no, no, I didn't really. I wasn't really interested. I was, I was watching my show at the time, and I was just. <laughs> I assumed it was something like they probably couldn't fix it when they were there. Something they didn't have the resources, but they obviously had the resources at home in Canada, where Air Canada is kind of based. That's so weird, yeah. Because you think if you're halfway. Like just continue on. Like just what's the what's the difference if you fly there or back? I mean, exactly right. So weird. So what a waste of time. So an hour and a half like there, we're already basically two hours late. Another hour and a half sitting on the plane doing nothing. Basically an hour and a half on the plane, then go out, switch planes, to then fly back down. So I've never heard of that happening in my entire traveling career. Dude, it's the first time I've ever had it happen ever. I had it once where we were going to, I was on the way to Albuquerque and it was too windy. So they rerouted us to like Durango, Colorado, mid-flight for a bit. Okay. And I had it once, oh, it was super sketchy. So I was flying into Amsterdam once and the, it was windy as fuck. So we were flying down and the plane was like, you know when it's, I mean, people can't see my hand, but you know when it's like, sh- like bobbing hey. up and down, like side, side to side. side. Yeah, you can feel it. And then it, you're like coming into the runway, coming in and it's like, bobbing up and down and then all of a sudden we're about to land the pilot just guns it and it was back up in the air <laughs> i'm like you know when you're about to land you're just kind of chilling and all of a sudden he just pins it like right before and floors it back up in the air and i'm like, what the fuck is going on he comes over the mic and he's like oh it's too windy to land it was too dangerous we're gonna turn around and try again <laughs> first of all what do you mean try again <laughs> What do you mean? You don't have this dial that you have to try a second time. You didn't get it. What do you mean you didn't get it the first time? And so now we got stress. Now we're going in. We know he's going to try to land the plane. Oh, boy. That's brutal. You would have just been shot back in your seat when he just ends Dude, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like totally not expecting it. And so now he's, he's coming in. Like, and then, you know, the plane feels like it's sideways. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, boom, down. One, one wheel hits down. It's just, yeah. Like, yeah. Straightens just, out. Yeah. Just made it happen. But that, was, that was pretty sketchy. Yeah, that'd be wild. At the first time you think it's just normal landing. The second time you're like, okay, this is actually an issue landing the plane. Yeah, we got we got stressed now. Yeah, we, we got stressed. <laughs> this isn't a straightforward land. We got it. We got a bit of a problem. <laughs> oh, brutal, brutal. Yeah. So. yeah, so that was that was something. Yeah, but um, uh, you know, it was nice. Glad your boys made it. Yeah, we made it. Had a nice hot tub. You know, made up for it, and we're good to go now. So enjoying. You know, I was gonna say like logistically, it's hard to fuck up a one way flight and boy did they sound sounds like they did crazy how they managed that yeah the way like, i always look at it though like especially with like mechanical problems or whatever if you're delayed like it's annoying but it's always better they like do that than just run it anyway you know seriously. yeah seriously i know what you mean yeah it's like i can wait another five hours or a day if we have to like i'll survive thankfully i'll survive exactly what was i gotta say was quite funny so i guess there's some music concert festival going down on down here i guess justin bieber was supposed to be playing so there's a bunch of younger teenager girls, not teenage, but like 20 girls in their twenties, whatever, going to see Justin Bieber. As soon as we land in Vegas, they all check their phone and get this notification that Justin Bieber's like team got COVID and he has to cancel the show. And they were literally coming down for the show. So there's this group across the aisle that is just freaking out as soon as the plane lands. Oh, like, what's going on? Are you kidding me? Like, no, like Justin Bieber's not playing. And, oh, we were just laughing. We were just laughing at them. So. A bunch of believers are upset. Tough scene. Tough scene if you're coming to see the Beebs down here and he just can't play a show. If you guys had more time, you could go see a show in Vegas. Those are really cool to go to. Yeah, it would have been really cool. 
Yeah, we, yeah. Might, we might try to see a hockey game or something. So. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, go see a Knights game. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun if we get one of those. So we'll see. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. In other sporting news, I mean, unrelated to BMX, but the Canadian 4x100 team moved from bronze to silver because that GB dude tested positive for something. So How was that, hey? Yeah, I saw that on the news. Like, I think it kind of got overshadowed by uh, – by the by the Osho going on but I always feel bad for these people especially now the team that goes from fourth to third because like they never got the euphoria of like winning an Olympic medal and standing on the podium and now they like they'll get a bronze medal and team Canada will get a silver but it's like it's like I don't know it's like yeah weird it is weird because like I told you before the show like I had no idea this was even going on this guy I guess probably because the Olympics right now so I looked into it too and saw that and it's just it sucks. Yeah, the person that I don't know who, what country got fourth that now gets bronze. I don't even know. I just, saw, I just saw Canada got one from bronze to silver. Yeah, that's tough. I thought about that. I thought about that randomly too. Like, obviously, I got fifth in Rio. <laughs> Two dudes in front of me tested positive, which they're obviously not. But yeah. it'd be so weird if all of a sudden I was just like a bronze medalist. They just they just send you an email. They're just like, hey, Tori. So, um, actually, yeah, you're going to be getting a bronze medal now. Can you send us your your address? We'll send you the medal. <laughs> It would, yeah, and like now, like I don't even know how you how you're supposed to feel. Like that would be, I don't even know. Like it really, if I just all of a sudden got a bronze medal now from Rio or something, like it, like my life wouldn't change at all. Like it. No, I know that'd be, it'd be extremely odd. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. well, you're you you don't get the feeling of being on like Olympic podium or having a medal put around your neck, and like you don't benefit from you know the years after of it, like financially or opportunities or whatever. So like if you yeah. just get one, it's kind of like. You just kind of get it. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's weird. It it, it sucks because yeah, you, it doesn't get the same prestigious like it's prestigiousness. Like nothing about it is the same. It's just it gets under undermined. Is that the right word? What word am I looking for here? It's just yeah. there's nothing, nothing good about it anymore. Like you don't get to live in the moment, experience all that hard work being paid off at the time that it was. I heard a story once. So you know Ben Johnson when he tested positive after winning gold in for the hundred meter. Mm-hmm in Seoul, Korea in 88. So I guess the, I can't remember if it was the guy, I think it might've been the guy who got fourth who actually ended up being the bronze medalist. Mm-hmm. I guess after the fact, after they took Johnson's medal away and everything, when he caught his bronze, he said he just met some guy from like the IOC, like under the bleachers somewhere. And the guy just like gave him the medal. That was like, so weird. Yeah. And he's just like, just, he's just like, well, yeah. Like talk about the most anticlimactic thing ever. Straight up. Do you think they, uh, because the Canadian team got bronze, right, in the, the four hundred, so now they get moved up to silver. Do they get to keep the bronze medal as well? No, they give it to the fourth place people. They have to give that exact medal. What do you yeah, they only get to keep both Olympic medals. Well, I wasn't sure if they just keep it and be like, no, here's your actual medal. We'll make some new ones for the other guys or something. No, I, good question. I would ass, I would assume they have to give it back. Yeah. It's probably like an exchange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would assume they give yeah, it back. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So then, it's so weird. Then all of a sudden, you're just like, well, okay, here's my silver medal. <laughs> Classic. Did you? I read a quick little article on it. It's like the guy, uh, classic, was just to say he claimed that it was just unknowingly. Um, it always is. It, it always just, is. Uh, unknowingly was in his supplement drink and whatnot. Yeah. Steroids slipped into my body. <laughs> That's unreal. Because he said he didn't. He didn't. The guy didn't even challenge the anti-doping violation or anything. He just explained that it was it must have just slipped in there. And I don't even know, like, I don't even know what substance it was or whatever, but it always is, it always is just an innocent mistake. Always. Always. I can tell you, I, I had it written down because once I read it, I, was, I have no idea what it is, but uh, containing the prohibited substances, Osterin and SP3s, 23s, S23s. 
the muscle building selective androgen receptor modulator. Oh yeah, just accidentally that you just find that just you know that's just like your 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 evening broccoli or what? <laughs> that's just in the the whey protein you're getting off the shelf. Okay. The androgen receptor slipped into my bloodstream. I don't know how it, I don't know how it happened. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's insane, hey. That's fun. it's amazing. Like just just fucking do sport clean. Like I don't understand. Just do sport clean. How how can you look at yourself in the mirror honestly if you if you if you dope in some way and just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm the man. I'm happy about what I'm doing right now. I feel really good about it. Yeah, like I don't know if these people just don't like feel guilt or they just get so carried away. Like I, I've always never understood that. It's crazy. It's honestly, it's crazy, and it's it makes hundred meter sprint like that's exactly one of those sports where it's like you can take one of those. It's going to make a big difference. Thank God we are in a sport where there's a lot of um, skill and technique involved, and with jumps in front of us that you need to get over as well. Because, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we're in a sport like that too. But with that said, like if you were already a good rider, fuck, it would help on our sport a lot to dope. No question. Probably if you're an explosive power sport and you have to repeat laps throughout the day, we are like a prime candidate for people to benefit from dope. <laughs> Seriously, like, fair. I'm sure it would help you a lot. Um, yeah, fair. That being said, like I think, I think we're a pretty clean sport overall. Like we can't be so naive to think that no one's doping because every sport, when there's Olympic medals or some fame or some money to make, people are going to cut corners. So we can't be naive to think no one is, but I think overall we're a pretty clean sport. I honestly think so too. Like you said, it, there is a very high chance that it's, it's happening somewhere or it has happened before, but it's like, you look at the riders of today and having relationships with a lot of people on the circuit, knowing who they are, when kind of what their beliefs are and stuff like that. It's like, I, I do agree as well. That I think we're pretty clean in that sense. Yeah. I, I, think like, I like to believe so. Yeah, and like I said, there's, there's going to be people that have or do or are that go to the Olympics and stuff. But mm -hmm. overall, like I think we're we're pretty lucky in our sport. Where I I would say we're for sure not a dirty sport. I think we're pretty clean. I think kind of the newer sports in the world, like the new not just action sports, but just newer sports in the Olympics, are cleaner. I want to say personally, I don't know. It's like it feels like the sports you see that there's cases or issues with are often these like sports that have been in in the i don't know the limelight like for a long time 100 meter sprinters figure skating that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah i mean like look at look at track and field or cycling or like swimming i mean there's just you, you always hear cases in those sports that's yeah that's what i mean it's like they've been around for so long and you're still you're still hearing the same kind of cases like cases happening or oh something slipped into my drink it's like yeah yeah and so yeah. i think people also might not understand like i wanted to touch on the how everyone's on the whereabouts because I think a lot of people listening probably don't know, but generally all the top riders in our sport have to fill out what's called a whereabouts through the National Doping Agency. So you have to fill out where you are every day, where you sleep, and an hour you're available to, for them to randomly come drug test you. So you have to fill it out for every day of your life while you're a top athlete and they come test you at any time. And typically they come within your one hour window where you say you're available for testing. Um, in addition to that too, the top like 40 riders have to do um, uh, blood work every year, twice a year, to um, and then they can monitor your your levels of different hormones and whatever they test for. So, like personally, I was on the whereabouts for I don't know ten years or something, and uh, I've got uh, my blood work drawn and tested twice a year, every mm -hmm. year. I was elite, so they do like they do drug test quite a bit for people that may not know outside competition. And it, it is different between every country, 
for sure. But like Canada is definitely one of the strictest too, because yeah, along with the whereabouts stuff, like they do that very often. You go to some countries, you might do the whereabouts, but they don't actually come test very often. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, but right. although sure. you still have to put it in, we go to the. A lot of it's budget wise, but every time we go to the U.S. recently, like I've never been tested in the U.S. But every when as soon as I'm home in Canada, it's pretty regular. Remember they came to the training center that one day to test me before Rock Hill. That was for the for the um, world, right? Yeah, yeah, so test yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's how they that's how it works for people. I think a lot of people do find that they'll find that shocking. Like people that aren't in the sport aren't even know they, it's shocking to think that you have to record something every day of where you are. It's, yeah, it's really just normal though for us. But it's like people would be like, no way. Like every day, it's like, yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, it's normal life. And I mean, obviously, don't do it anymore now that I'm retired. But when you're an athlete, like you, you have to literally put down where you're sleeping every day and where you're available to be tested every day. Yeah, and they can come up anytime at your house and just be like, all right, we're testing you now. The worst is like you do do it in the morning. Most people are smart. They put their hour in the morning because that's when you're going to be home no matter what. You're going to be sleeping. But when they do show up in the morning and it's 6 a.m., you are just pissed. <laughs> like you hear the door, you're like, you know, instantly, are you fucking kidding me? It's 6 a.m. on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> it's, it's like, come on, you couldn't pick another day. Like, yeah, They've come multiple times on like a Sunday at 6 a.m. for me. They have too. And I asked the guys like, why? Like the, one of the times they came back to back Sundays and I was like, why do you guys like, did you guys pick Sunday for a reason? He's like, we just know that most people are going to be home on Sunday. I was like, smart, but like, I'm not happy about that. But it's also like not super respectful. <laughs> like, no, it isn't at the same time either now. No, like, we know, like obviously it can be every day, but like, it's also pretty shitty on the common courtesy side. It sucks. Yeah. They just, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Um, so the people hear from the man, Kevin. Yeah, let's let them hear it. Uh, I think, I know we say this like every show, but I think people are going to love this episode. I know we both did, so. Yeah, something, um, something different, not just a, you know, BMX race or someone who uh, excelled in another sport. So it's, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. So here's, uh, here's Kevin Hill, everybody. Enjoy the show. So we got three-time Olympian and snowboard cross, X Games silver medalist and former national team BMX member, Kevin Hill. What's up, Kevin? Thanks for joining, buddy. Hey, don't hey, forget, guys. don't forget X Games gold medalist too. Oh, you, oh, dude, I forgot about that. How did I forget about that? <laughs> That's okay. That's a big one. Dude, welcome home from China. When did you get home? I got home last Tuesday. Yeah, it must be nice to be home after being overseas there, huh? Yeah, I was on the road for 45 days prior uh, total with the Olympics involved. And yeah, it was a long time traveling. Jeez. Where'd you guys uh where were you guys training before? Um, we were doing some World Cups. We had a couple World Cups in Russia, then Italy, and then we had a training camp in Austria before we headed off to Beijing. Jeez, yeah, big trip, eh? Really big trip. Yeah, yeah. Not, not ideal, I would say, before the Olympics, but what can you do when all the races are in Europe? True, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess they, they don't have, like, really many in North America, huh? No, actually, this year there was supposed to be one in Quebec, and it got canceled. So there's none in North America whatsoever. Jeez. Why? Why is that? Um, it's a combination of money promotion. I think uh, I would say it all comes down to money and what hills want to sponsor the event and pay for the course build and so on and the TV rights. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Huh. yeah. Quite well, that, must, that must have been really tough, kind of being on the road that long before going into uh, the Olympics. And hey, it must have been pretty tiring. 
Yeah, I'd say so. For some, more so than others. I think the older I get, the more tiring it gets being away yeah. for so long. But when I was younger, I didn't have a problem with it. No, but when you get a, like, it's a long time to be on the road, especially before like a big one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it is what it is. How old How are you, now, Kevin? Sorry, sorry. How old are you now, Kevin? 35. Just 35. getting warmed up. Just getting warmed up. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> what's that? What's it like typical age range in snowboard cross? It's a pretty big age range, right? Yeah, there's a huge age range. Um, there's kids that I'm racing against that are 17. And I'm the second oldest on the tour. And the oldest is Nick Baumgartner, who's 40. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's pretty old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he medaled in Vancouver or something, didn't he? Um, he actually medaled in the team event in Beijing. That was his first medal. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. yeah I, knew, I, I knew him from the X Games stuff. I was yeah, watching yeah. as in, like, that's how yeah. I knew the names and whatnot. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we've chased each other down the hill at X Games many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize him from all the times I've watched you. I've seen his name, too. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> what's, um, what's the, is the culture uh, in snowboard cross similar to BMX? Like, are you guys, you know, friendly with each other and everything? Yeah, I would say it's very similar. Everyone gets along pretty great. Um, you pick who you hang out with and who you don't. I mean, yeah. there's always the countries that are favored over the other countries for who likes who and so on. But as as in general, I think everyone gets along with the Canadians fairly well because we're all pretty nice. So um, <laughs> we don't hear too many bad things about us, which is great. So everyone gets along good. That's cool. Uh, so my question, I got to find out. Like, so... Obviously, I know you from BMX racing days, Kevin. Like people online might not know, but you started, I guess, BMX racing way back in the day. Um, yeah. When did you actually kind of get into snowboard cross as well? Because like, you were doing both, I feel like, for a number of years, like doing BMX for fun on the side and then still doing your snowboard cross stuff, right? Yeah, I was doing both. I started pretty much snowboarding and BMX racing at the same time for yeah. fun when I was yeah. nine. And I didn't really make the full change to border cross till I was... 21 so okay. wow. i was super late starting the border cross but the snowboarding for fun and doing tricks and stuff all played part of being and bmx i mean played the biggest part in the snowboard cross i think yeah, yeah. there's similarities between them are like, probably two of the very similar sports out there i mean how was the transition going into snowboard cross after being on like a bmx track all the time yeah what i found is that there's a little bit more room i mean on a border cross track you want to be perfect just like you want to be on a bmx track but there's a little bit more room for air on the snowboard side whereas if you have a draft and you overshoot a jump on a snowboard you can ride it out and still win a race but if you overshoot a jump in a bmx bike your race is done if you fly, your race is done. so and and on a bike you can come up you can if you tag a jump pretty bad your race is pretty much over if you tag a jump in a snowboard cross race you could still use the momentum in the glide to get down the hill and still win a race so um there's a little bit of variable on the snowboard side and it helped me come from bmx and being able to make things perfect on the on the snowboard cross track and really use that to my benefit that's cool yeah, i love hearing this because to me i Grew up racing as well like bmx that's my thing but i also ski race at the time and always wanted to get into skier cross never ended up really getting into it so like kind of following your journey in this into the snowboard cross always been i mean just something really cool and special for me to watch you do yeah that's awesome yeah it's cool so. yeah because so at the time i guess right before you switch you're on the national team for bmx right yeah i was and um i really 
I love BMX. Like BMX is like my, the best thing in the world for me to ever do. <laughs> um, but I really felt in BMX, I didn't quite have the full skill set. I found that I, I, I could ride a bike well, but I didn't have the strength and power that you need to win a race. And that's what it all came down to. I finally realized it. I wasn't getting it. And it was time to move on kind of thing and still keep BMX on the back burner and have fun with it. But I wasn't going to be a world champion BMX racer with a bad first straight like I had. So <laughs> <laughs> simple for me. Your first straights of snowboard cross are actually really good, aren't they? they? They were like, they were amazing. Like I had some of the best starts out of the whole tour for many years. They're still great, actually. Just certain ones I'll, I'll be better at than others. But yeah, they've been great starts for the past 10 years or so, which is really nice. Yeah. yeah cool. So you, is it like BMX where you guys practice a ton of starts all the time or? Yeah, well, you do a full a full lap usually like some people will warm up with starts in the morning like you'll hike five five ten starts maybe i'll hike five or so but then you get into full course training right away so you can kind of involve the the two together and do full runs and get the most bang for your buck with a full run yeah um, the starts mostly the upper body but then it's quickness with the legs so you're you're all your generation after you pull because it doesn't matter if you have the quickest pull from point a to point b in the first split half a second um what matters is your generation your legs speed after all over the first few features is what really makes your start good right okay so it doesn't really matter if you're a touch late huh? like bmx no not really at all you can yeah. you can still out pump the guy in the first three rollers and then you're ahead in the start and you win the start <laughs> it's not like bmx cool. you're a touch late and just get instantly chopped <laughs> <laughs> oh special sport yeah uh, so in the start, you guys pull mostly with your lats forward or what? Yeah. yeah, I would say mostly lats. I think some arm strength helps as well because I've always done the biceps and triceps along the way to maintain. But um, the number one key ingredient to a good start, I'd say, for the pull is um, clap pull-ups, hop pull-ups, yeah. being good at those, being quick. Because you can really tell someone that can do a lot of pull-ups and quickly, um, they usually have a quicker, faster start than the heavy, heavy guys, which still can have great starts but the reaction time with the, the quick pull-ups really helps. Those, the start straights you guys have, are like, they look so technical. They have the edges they put on them. Like you guys are just basically bouncing off edge to edge, just getting over them. It doesn't, like your boards don't even fit in some of the transitions it looks like. Dude, it looks gnarly. Yeah. It's very true. Like they used to be all about quickness and now they're about what looks good kind of for TV. I feel like yeah. they spent, they spend days and days building those starts by hand. They push the snow with the cat and then they spend hours and hours and days and days by hand shaping them to look cool. They don't always work though. Let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> the compression, the compression, the speed speeds up from training to when we actually race. And then the next thing you know, you have too much speed and you're getting spat out, get looping out like a total Jerry on the start. <laughs> and it happens regularly now. That sucks. Yeah. We, uh, there was a lot of changes for us in BMX like when it came to the track of the Olympics. It was kind of different than what we were used to. Um, not really for the good. What was the, what was the course like measuring for you guys? I feel like they're, they're kind of trying to keep up with everything. There were some mixed reviews, um, on how it was. Yeah, definitely. Um, by choice, I skipped the, the pre-Olympic race and watched it from home on TV. And I realized that that 
you can, as you guys know, with BMX, like there's certain tracks that fit you perfectly and certain tracks that you show up and you're like, what am I going to do here? Well, (laughs) it wasn't the start that there was the issue. It was the long, the extra long track that was super glidey and with, with snowboarding weight helps, um, Mm -hmm. gravity pulls down. So the more weight you have, not saying you want to be 400 pounds, but I mean, if you suck two in a straight line, a hundred pounds and 200 pounds, the the 200 pounds is going to win. So, um, being a lighter guy, um, I saw through the world cup previously to the, the games that I was going to struggle on this course. And that's not a good mindset coming to the Olympics, but there's not much you can really do when you're a lighter fellow out there compete against, it feels like I'm being against bodybuilders sometimes that are 220. I'm 175 pounds and you stick a side by side. I, I won't be able to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That's really tough. It's almost like you got like, you, you don't want to force yourself to just get big and get, you know, just get weighted up. But it's like, that seems like it's almost a huge benefit. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it's super been difficult in the sport, the way it's been changing as well. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Go ahead, I was going to say like, has it, what, what's the reason for the changes they had? Like, cause I know Tobercross hasn't been in the X games for a few years now. Has it like, has that played a you know difference, a change in anything? Well, the big difference of the changes were in Pyeongchang, Korea, mm-hmm. um, 40 athletes started that race when we were six men at a time and 14 of those athletes couldn't compete. So 14 were either minor injuries or serious injuries at that event. So what they took away from that was the sports getting out of hand with too many people on the course. So they shrunk it back down to four people. And then they said, we need to slow, slow the sport down, make a maximum speed or a rough maximum speed on a course, 70 kilometers an hour to make it safer. And then we need to build jumps smaller or safer. So everything completely changed going from, Showing up at a, at a World Cup race with this course that gave you so much adrenaline and, and, and you were nervous to ride, coming like X Games back in the day, to courses now in the past four years, you show up and you're like, this is kind of boring. This is like when I was an amateur. <laughs> this, it's smaller, the speed's slower. I don't get that rush of being scared that I'm not going to clear something and get injured. So with everything changing and, and the bigger the course is, the more money it takes to build and the more snow. So the whole sport's been shrunk down and it hasn't really played favor in my part, being a lighter guy whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, James, does this sound familiar or what? It's unbelievable how the similarities, like it feels like we're hearing. Yeah. It's like they, 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 they see these injuries, they see these crashes, and it's like it's probably because maybe the track was tough, but also because people were just pushing their limits, and now they just decide to change the sport and turn it to kind of something completely different, which I don't even think it sounds like you guys probably like, which yeah, is, to me, that's the craziest part. Kevin, too, you're like, I know you're a really technical rider, too, so like a more technical track would definitely suit your style, whereas like it's the same in BMX probably, whereas if they make an easier track, just more people can do well, and it's less separation. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. And not to take anything away from the sport now, but I don't enjoy the sport as much as I used to. It used to be very technical. You were on edge, um, sketchier, maybe some would say. And now it's come down to, I, I think I watch BMX. I follow you guys pretty closely, pretty carefully, because I love the sport. 
and I would say it's very, very similar. Like, it's not the strongest guy. It's it's a mix of the skill, the technicalities, but also nowadays it's like the weak guys. I'm not weak, but the stronger yeah. you are, the more chance you are of winning. And if you're a lighter guy and you're not as strong as the the guy that's 225 pounds, you don't don't have a chance. So. I I remember thinking back, just thinking back now after you said that, to watching you in Sochi in 2014. The, um, from what I remember, the racing was a bit more exciting this year. It was a bit more passing, a bit more action, probably because the track was more technical. Yeah. Yeah. I, looking back, Sochi, not because it was my best result or it was my first Olympics, but the course by far, like the test event all the way up to the, the actual Olympic event, people were nervous. People were on edge. The course was technical. The, the course was scary and it was a much more fun sport back then for sure yeah. there was a lot happening yeah, yeah. it's kind of like our previous olympic tracks too before tokyo james no it's, it sounds very similar which is crazy i'm kind of bummed that they've they had like i didn't i guess i didn't realize until i went back and was watching some of the x game videos that, that they did used to do six man and they've gone yeah. down to four i mean it's cool i mean it's like you got a very good chance to get a medal if let's say you're in the final, but even still like having a six man race versus four big difference is a lot more exciting in the six man, a lot more shuffling around. Yeah. Big, big time. Yeah. 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 Like I found a lot of this year was a bit follow the leader. Totally. Yeah. Totally. All of the leader, pick your, pick your chance, pick the place to make a move. And the kind of the unfortunate part with it is now, like as you saw in the final or whatever, you can lead most of the way down the course you don't make any mistakes and the guy behind you will get your draft will captivate on that and he'll beat you. <laughs> and that's what happened. Yeah. I never, I never even thought about the draft to be honest. I never even thought about that, but that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It really comes into play. I'm not sure what speed 40 K or so, but up, up the faster you go, the draft is humongous. If you're going 80 K, yeah. the draft is huge. Especially, especially if I touch. Like, yeah. Especially like the second half of the track or something probably. Right. Yeah, be big time. As soon as you get up to speed, the draft comes into play huge. And it's a make break. What uh what what uh what kind of suits, like what kind of like race wear are you guys allowed to wear now? Because I feel like it used to be like BMX classic four across the same baggy stuff, make it look cool, like it wasn't people trying to wear skin suits. Nowadays it obviously is progressing to like people are getting like a little more of a skin suit look, trying to get that speed factor <laughs> aerodynamics, like <laughs> So let me tell you, um, back in the day with X Games, there was kind of a, a friendly written rule where you had to have, I think it was a credit card width at the knee, extra bag in your pant. So okay. you had to have a decent amount of bag in your pant. It was for looks. We wanted to keep the sport looking good. Um, it wasn't me. It was Nate Holland, but he was a longtime OG in the sport, won the X Games more than anyone else. In, in the Remember him, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good guy, and he's retired now, so we don't really have him to have a say in the sport. But let me tell you, they've pushed – they I, certain teams on the World Cup Tour have pushed the sport to be race skin suit tight. And coming into the Olympics this year, there was people show up in the World Cup with these skin suits, and they're disgusting in my opinion. It looks terrible for the sport. I've had many people <laughs> comment on them. Um, <laughs> Because everyone wants to be aerodynamic. So we go in to get our suits fitted, and mine fits pretty good. And we have people telling us, no, they need to be tighter. I'm like, man, I can hardly get this on. Like, it takes, like, it takes five minutes to pull this suit on every morning. That's a long time. It should take 30 <laughs> And you can see every, everything. And, like, 
no one wants to be hanging out with your buddies and you just everything's like form fit so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every all the i would say the euro team started it that's just the way it is i'm shocked i'm shocked <laughs> to hear that <laughs> well i could even name the team and country but they started it and we followed suit unfortunately and there was no there's no written rule so it's kind of one person conforms and it thinks it's okay then the next does and it voids the rules there's kind of a rule in the fist no one abides by and it's just you can't have a one piece that's really the rule you have to have a two-piece suit so people their suit comes right up to the top of the chest and they have a little bib that goes over so that's the suit Um, i I feel like our sport's following a very similar trajectory it's yeah it's similar it's crazy it's funny though so it's like instead of just having like the full downhill ski racer skin suit that instead you just make it into two pieces and it's like oh it's fine now and it's the exact same thing that's crazy yeah yeah yeah. i mean it certainly doesn't look as good no and if i do any more races if and when we'll see um i won't be ever wearing that suit again that's for (laughs) sure because it's hate (laughs) so and the unfortunate thing is too like if teams are doing that like everyone's gonna follow suit you know like yeah yeah and that's what happened yeah um back on the track before we get into something different I was curious about the start gate, Kevin. So have they ever experimented with different start gates? Like how does your start gate work? Obviously, I know it's just it's just basically you got to watch till it drops. There's no beeps, no sounds, and nothing like that, right? Yeah, no beeps, no sounds. They go races in the gate. Yeah. Riders ready. Attention, and then attention, they push a button and it's random one to five seconds before it drops. Oh, five seconds is long. <laughs> that is long. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. just straight hold your breath flex five seconds that's okay. man five seconds is feel like an eternity probably it can it for sure can and then it can catch you off guard and go within right a split second like that so yeah yeah that's got to be hard too because there's nothing the gate just drops like that's way harder than reacting to like a beep or light or something or gun or whatever yeah so you just watch it uh, it's definitely let me tell you starts on a on a snowboard are much easier than a start in a bmx track on a bmx <laughs> yeah way easier Um, so that's what we got going for us um getting into getting into china a little like what was um before we get into the racing and everything but like what was china like in general was there a bit of a bit of a circus like going to the village with all the protocols and everything so the biggest concern for everyone else i kind of take it as it goes and say it's meant to be but everyone wanted to make sure that we didn't have covid on the days leading up because we weren't flying china if that was the case and that would be ashamed to ruin your Olympic journey with a cold or whatever you got, you know? Yeah. So leading up, everyone was super on edge about getting it. And once we all got on the plane and got there, it was a little bit better. Um, everything was handled pretty well. The, I heard that the pre-Olympic event was a lot of waiting around and sitting. Like everyone was preparing me for the worst case scenario of sitting in the airport for hours on end with no water, no bathrooms and so on. <laughs> Eight hour bus ride. But for me, it went all smoothly and I was impressed because I was prepared for something really bad. But um, we flew there. The flight wasn't so bad from, from um, Zurich and over to Beijing. Um, the waiting in the terminal, like everyone's, the, all the Olympic teams are all together. Everyone's secluded from the rest of the airport, even though I don't even think the rest of the airport's really open to the public. But, and then we took the bus ride and, pretty impressed with they keep the the buses going quite slow with the speed limit i guess the speed limit 70k from 
point A to point B, but uh, uh, I think 180 or 90 kilometers took us four hours or so. And I, I heard the last, <laughs> <laughs> it took them, it took them six to eight with no bathroom breaks. So this time they had bathroom breaks and um, the travel was quite smooth getting there. And once we got to the village, no problems at all whatsoever. Yeah. Do you, cool. you know, do you know anyone that had to had to quarantine or anything? Because I like the, I saw some like horror stories that like the food was horrible and they were not like treated super well. I heard some stories, but I didn't know anyone personally. Every yeah. as soon as we got there, it's kind of like I'm not sure if they kept cases hush hush, but didn't hear of one case or anyone having to quarantine during the Olympic during the Olympics itself. Beforehand, previously, I heard of some stories and it was a little bit scary for the people secluded. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Was the, um, what was the village compared like compared to the other two Olympics you've been to? The village was very similar. Um, the nice thing about this was we were a five minute bus ride. I mean, it took fifteen, but literally you could run and you could run there in five minutes if you really <laughs> wanted to. Uh, we were very close to the mountain village, which was great compared to previous events where it could take half an hour plus or longer. So, a fifteen minute bus ride to the, our actual events buses running continuously the village was done quite well the canada house as always they do a good job there and they took care of us really well um yeah. there's the, the odd issue with this and that in in the newly plumbed building. but other than that there was no issues for me nice. <laughs> so and we had individual rooms which was a first so oh wow that was, that was a big plus showing up and knowing you have your own room so that was sick have been an absolute treat instead of having to just get roomed or bunked with somebody random or maybe he could know him, but still yeah that would have been a treat yeah yeah could have been random like the last yeah. one yeah <laughs> totally in uh in terms of racing i can't remember but is so this was a one lap thing like or one lap your first round were the other olympics the same i don't remember yeah so the uh, way this worked was we do two time trials well one to seed you two if you weren't in the top 16 and then heats go start with the quarters or eights, quarters, semis, mains. So, yeah, um, it was the same as always, the same as the rest of the Olympics. Um, four heats to the final and, and the final. So That's so cutthroat. It's so quick. Like, you don't get any, any room for error really at all. It's crazy. Pretty ruthless, yeah. Like, you make a mistake or something. Like, and, yeah, you obviously made a mistake on the first straight, and then it's hard to catch up, huh? Yeah. Yeah, very much. That's yeah. tough. That's so frustrating. So I like, I mean, at least in the BMX world, we have the three rounds to start things off. So, you know, you kind of get into the rhythm a little bit, but you just get thrown right to the wolves there. I like that change in BMX. I really, really like that. I think that would benefit, that would benefit me a lot. How <laughs> <laughs> was, um, how was your experience with these ones compared to the other two? Cause obviously the other one was quite a long time ago now. Like you were quite a bit younger. Yeah. Um, I knew what to expect. I wasn't, the excitement wasn't really there. I was trying to treat it like another race. I was prepared, but also there was, I don't know, no matter what you do and no matter how you, how confident you can be, you show up to that race and things aren't working for you on the track and you just have to make the best out of the situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame my result on the track not being my kind of track, but it's super tough to throw that in the back of your head and not think about it whatsoever when you show up to a track that isn't working for you. Yeah. I think, yeah, like we keep, I don't want to just 
all similarities, but it's, it's still the same thing we had. Like there are a few jumps in the track in Tokyo that people were struggling with. And they came out and said after, like it's, you, they tried to put it out of their mind, but it's hard to, to just bypass that and not be, not be thinking about it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, it definitely gets to you a little bit for sure. Yeah. Was it weird? Uh, like, like no fans. Cause I mean, I don't know. Like at the start gate, if there's normally a lot of people there standing watching, I know the finish line, there normally is a lot of people there cheering stuff on, but was it different? No fans really there? It was different for no fans. Um, that was weird because Sochi was the craziest crowd I've ever had at an event. Going to Young Chang, it was decent. And then this one with no fans whatsoever, just if, I'm not sure if they were paid spectators or who was allowed to watch this. Because there was a, some, there was a little bit of a crowd, right? Um, but yeah, it was a lot of, it was really different not having that, that vibe and the feeling of the crowds cheering the, the roaring crowd at the bottom. It, I remember Sochi back then. That was the best crowd ever. You could hear the crowd from the top of the course cheering when someone would come across the finish line. It was for that was from their country. It was insane how loud the crowd was. So cool. Sochi too, like being your first Olympics, you're coming in off some good results. And from what I remember, you were riding super well and were a definite metal threat there. You got clean you got cleaned out in like the quarter or semi or something. Cleaned out in the semi. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that. Yeah, you were going really fast. Yeah, maybe too fast. <laughs> But is that, is that a day like you really felt like you could probably do it, huh? That was a day. The, I wouldn't say that the wax was on. We were all struggling out of, the, out of the gate for the first half of the course. The whole Canadian team there, if we look back. I remember back. you told me that, yeah. But through the middle of the course, the end of the course, we were doing better and flying. And that was a day where there was just everything was out on the table. I had nothing to, nothing to lose there. And... I think that really helped. And of course, the course there, completely different. Like there was tons of obstacles, tons of generation, no gliding. There was no gliding there. There was no, nothing that involved who was heaviest was going to win that race. So like that race was my total perfect situation for a course, a little bit sketchy, a little bit fast. If you missed a move, you were done, but you could carry your speed from top to bottom. And that's what I really liked about that course. That's sick. See, that's, that's the snowboard cross that, you know, people like to see that they remember and they, they want to watch, right? Yeah. And you remember you tell me, like, the I guess you guys have wax technicians and they pick, pick the wax for you? Yeah. So you guys don't have a say in it or how does it work? We have no say. The wax tech, um, they're professional. So they, they pick the wax. They wax our snowboard day in, day out, previous to the race. On the morning of the race, we get two to three snowboards who knows maybe more and they pick which ones we ride on during the event for the training for the time trial and for the race they pick exactly what one we ride on and no one's perfect and you never want to put the blame on anyone but there's certain days where you know specifically something went wrong and it, it happens because no one's perfect. No one can always get it right. Every wax tech's doing something different. No one's following this book and, and doing the same. So everyone's, all the wax techs are doing their own secret little thing. Some get it right, some get it wrong. That's just the way it goes. Jeez. It's wild. <laughs> There's another variable. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like in BMX that you just had someone pick your gear. <laughs> it was like, all right, you're running this gear today. <laughs> yeah, the sort of thing. So, so what's, the, what's the difference in the wax? Like, what do they... What do they base it on? Temperatures, they base it on how much moisture is in the air, how cold it is, how dry the snow is. 
And so th- for me, if I'm waxing, there's, I wax to temperature. It's pretty simple. I'll just wax. It's going to be, it's going to be minus two or minus four. I'll pick a wax, but they, after they wax, they also, every time we go on the course, they'll throw this powder on, um, looks like a, a type of, it's a white powder. So, um, <laughs> they throw powder on, rub it into the board and we go, I don't, I don't do anything with powders. I know that they're chemicals and they're not that healthy. So I stay away from that kind of stuff and let the wax stick take care of everything because they know a lot more than I do but I do wish in the sport of snowboard cross that the wax wasn't a variable and everyone had the same because that would make a more playing field but it's not the case and they're still allowed to do whatever they want with the boards and that's just the way it goes because you, if you get it wrong it is a pretty significant difference in like, on the snow that like you feel it pretty instantly don't you yeah there oh there's one instance that was not too long ago this season where I pulled out of the start gate from winning winning heats and training pulled out of the start gate to instantly feeling like I had a, I, I was riding that plastic grass kind of snow stuff like I pulled out of the gate my first heat and I was like this is not right I, I rode a perfect lap top to bottom and I didn't qualify I didn't transfer on and I was like how could this happen I was winning heats I was top 10 in training top mm-hmm. 10 in time trials and then I pull out of the start gate in my first heat and my board feels like there's grip tape on the bottom and sometimes things go wrong you 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 say you speak up tell the wax tech to let them know and then hopefully it doesn't go wrong for the rest because they can change things that they put on your snowboard to where your teammates if they go on a later heat they can change it for them mm-hmm. that's the best you can do but your day is done so oh man that sucks that's wild doesn't happen often but it it's happened a number of times in my career where I noticed it big time. And <laughs> so she being one of them. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys are so like precise and like, you know exactly how your board feels on a good day versus yeah, if it's feeling off, you know, it instantly. And, yeah. You yeah. start getting feel that what a way to just like, okay, I'm just starting with the yeah, like, carpet basically. Yeah. That's Crazy. Feels exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and you're that fast in Sochi, even with that, man, imagine what we could have done with the right wax. <laughs> yeah. Um, Why did they... Go ahead, James. I want to, I was going to get into the kind of X game stuff as well. Are you good, good with that, T? Yeah. All right. So what were kind of the, uh, what, what are the X games like compared to the Olympics? I mean, it feels like X games used to be almost one of the most pinnacle things in the sport. I guess it's kind of probably changed the Olympics um, with it not being in the X games anymore, but that was always some of the coolest stuff to watch. Um, what was that like for you? What was the X Games experience like? Yeah, the the great thing about X Games is it's kind of the pinnacle of extreme sports. Well, it is. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, thinking about the X Games and watching it, because it was easy to watch. Olympics aren't always that easy to watch when you're a kid. They're every four years. And if you're out doing stuff and having fun, you're going to miss them. But the X Games is every year. So it's kind of plays through your head more. Like, oh, it'd be so cool to show up at the X Games one day. So the, that part of it was pretty cool. And going to the event, I think they just treat you so well at the X Games. Um, as you guys have probably heard, like, they treat you like a professional athlete there. They don't just treat you like a commodity. Like, you show up, they give you tons of free stuff. They do interviews with you. They take your photos. It's just a whole, like, the vibes are so good there compared to any other event I've ever been to and everything they do like the course even showing up at the x games for my first time back in the day was like insane because the course was bigger than anything i'd ever ridden you got to inspect the course um come down the course and then people would 
start hitting the course, but not everyone at once, like at a World Cup or whatever, so on, where everyone just starts hitting it right away. People would like go down the course and watch and be like, this feature's big, like you got to watch out for this one. And then you would come down and watch and like you'd see people like send, hucking themselves over these jumps that hadn't really been tested by people or maybe one person, but like there was tons of, tons of mistakes being made and it was quite intimidating showing up to X Games for the first few times. I remember making my own mistakes there and be like, hold, I was stupid. I'm an idiot. I should have <laughs> that because I went off there brain fart. And the next thing you know, I case bruised my heels <laughs> once well. So in, um, in your, in your sport is, um, is it like a bigger deal to win an X games gold medal or an Olympic gold medal? Um, Olympic gold medal. <laughs> I, I would say back then. And still to me, like, there's no more X games. So to me, it's, it's something that I'll never forget winning, but there's more media hype with Olympics for sure. Um, I'm not sure as far as like the professional sports, I mean, Olympics, I would say carries you further and longer, yeah. whereas it happens every year, but for, for certain people and certain big names in sport and slope style, it's, it's more important to win X games. I mean, there's certain sponsors that, that X Games is the pinnacle. Yeah. I guess I think it's, it's kind of like more of the outside public maybe knows about the Olympics, but it's more well-known, the X Games, for the inside people, like people who know I, about the sport more. I think so. And, and I would say that the X Games is more um, prestige because you got to be invited there. Mm -hmm. There's 40 free skiers or 100 slope-style riders in the world, I'm just picking those two sports because I follow those um, mm -hmm. religiously. And whereas with Olympics, there's countries that you've never heard of showing up at the Olympics. And I'm not taking anything away from the Olympics whatsoever because it's amazing. But there'll be 10 Americans that are strong and only seven or only eight riders will get picked for the X Games. And for the Olympics, each country that gets a quota spot, there'll be countries that get a quota spot that you didn't even really know competed on the World Cup tour. They have yeah. to get, they have to get out, whatever, if it's 50 fist points or whatever, this or that, and they get a spot to go. Whereas, and I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to get to either of them, but the say, say Team Canada has six good riders on the BMX team or snowboard team, maximum four can go for snowboarding. I think it was three for BMX now. If you're the top countries get three and then two and then one, yeah. Okay. So with the Olympics, the top country gets four for snowboarding and then and then so on. Um, right. Whereas X Games, maybe you'll get two of those riders or one going to the X Games because it's invitational only. So it kind of it's it's tougher in certain sports to make it there for sure. And there's plenty of riders that made the Olympics that never made the X Games. So yeah, yeah. on whatever people think, right? For sure. I think yeah. it, to me, it was always like the course of the X Games were always wild. And that was yeah. part of the thing that made it so, uh, so intriguing to watch too. It's like, yeah, the jumps were huge. There was always some like funky lines that, you know, some guys were pulling and made it super exciting. Yeah, I yeah. definitely. And just like they make it more of a show. It seems like even for spectators on TV, like the whole, I think the whole package is more spectator friendly probably. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Like yeah. even the announcers and stuff, there's just so much hype and it just seems like a lot, a lot cooler. <laughs> I agree with the cooler part. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, lack of a better term. Like it just seems cooler on TV. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. They, they treat you like you're a professional athlete there, not just like cattle. Yeah. <laughs> so do all, the, um, do all the athletes stay together or like how does that work at the X Games? At the X Games, um, everyone has to pick their own accommodation, book their own accommodation. Coaches, your, your agent or your coach will do that for you at the yeah. X Games. There's plenty of nice places to stay there, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> I feel like it must be beautiful out there. Like that's just a that's a great spot to be, from what I've heard. Yeah, it's a mecca for sure. Like yeah, yeah. unlimited amount of money being spent there in Aspen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like financially too. Like if you win a medal at the X Games, isn't the payout pretty good, right? Yeah, the payout, I'm not sure if it still is, but it was 20 grand American. Um, where the payout at Olympics is by country, right? Your country pays you, yeah, yeah. whatever bought you. So depending on what country you're for, it could be amazing, could be almost set for life, or you could make less than a World Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Certain pay well, others don't. <laughs> Fair. Speaking of which, what is what is the World Cup payout like? Is it decent? Is it anything to phone home about? Yeah, it's the World Cup is around eleven thousand Swiss francs, give or take. I think it changes okay. a little. Um, it drops dramatically, but the top ten get paid. Um, tenth place is peanuts, but it, it's better than nothing. And yeah. what's so the World, place? World Cup is okay. Uh, pardon? What's first place? For the World Cup? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's around 11,000 Swiss francs. Oh, 11,000. Like, that's good. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's way higher than, B- way higher than BMX. Is <laughs> <laughs> the BMX like five grand, maybe? I think it's 2,500 euros. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Terrible. Could be wrong. Could be wrong, but I think it's something like that. Yeah. It, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask about, so what kind of similarities or what, could, what have you taken from the, from let's say BMX that you've been able to transfer into snowboard that Maybe some of the other, some of the other riders haven't. Has there been anything that you've, you've noticed that you've had an edge on always just maybe because of having a different background? Yeah, I would, in BMX, I would say everything's just a little bit more difficult, a little bit harder. So taking the pumping skills that really transferred over the rhythm the rhythm that you have to have to get through BMX track. I took that, I transferred over very well. Coming from BMX start gate to the snowboard cross start gate, it was a piece of cake in my <laughs> opinion. So that transferred over very, the reaction time, like that helped a ton. And the biggest, not one of the biggest, but like jumping, let's say a 30 foot double on a BMX bike, jumping a 30 foot double on a snowboard is you can pretty much ollie 30 feet. <laughs> you can with, with a little bit of speed. 30 feet so everything on a bmx bike is 10 times scarier and more difficult than a snowboard i'm just going to be put it out there that's the honest truth so hitting a 100 foot jump on a snowboard is intimidating but no problem at all whereas on a bike yeah pretty much no chance yeah (laughs) so that helped big time big time i so also okay this is another question so Speaking of like weight going down the hill, you, are you not a vegetarian? Is that something I remember is you are? Yeah. Raised vegetarian, vegan. Okay. Is that, has that always, has that been like a difficulty on the sober cross where it is like trying maybe effort kind of gain the weight to try to be a little quicker? For sure. I would say my body runs healthiest at 175, mm-hmm. 175 pounds. And people say gain more weight, this and that I've tried 
everything. I haven't really tried meat for very long. I've tried it, but the, the benefit hasn't really been there for me to and not enjoy my food by eating the meat to try and gain a bunch of weight. And so, I mean, someone that's built around 175 pounds to all of a sudden be 200 pounds, I don't think they're going to function the same. So I've kind of, I've accepted my lighter build and did the best with it as what I could. And it suited me well now with the change in the sport, it's not suiting me so well, but I've had my fun and I've, I've had as good times in the sport. So yeah. how much, um, how much longer do you, um, have you thought about how much longer you want to race or anything like that? Well, I'm definitely on the fence as, as we speak. <laughs> now I look at the benefit to risk ratio. Yeah. I don't find there's as much risk in it. There definitely isn't as much risk as there used to be, but the benefit is outweighing. I mean, <laughs> the benefits are being outweighed at this time because really I'm sure it's the same in, in BMX too, but my results weren't as that good last year. So this year I'm, I'm, paying 50% of everything. And as soon as you're paying for something and making spending more money than you're making in the sport, yeah. the justification, especially at this age is like, yeah, it's fun and I get to travel, but I'm paying 15,000 for my season. Is it worth it? No, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the older you get, that stuff really starts to come into play. Like the money factor, the, is it worth it kind of thing? Totally. So that's yeah. exactly right now. Um, if there was a ton of money at it and I could, continue for five more years i think the body's feeling fairly good I've, I've been dealing with a little bit of a knee injury but if there was money involved that i could actually live i would be happy to continue doing it because it's fun and as soon as you have the money paying for everything there's no stress but when you're when you're paying in your own pocket the stress as soon as, as soon as there's a financial burden i find in sport it hinders performance big time especially if you're like me and you're thinking about it it's in the back of your head with everything you do whether you're buying travel supplies whether you're buying stuff you need but you can't really afford the stuff that you need to compete i think that plays big time into your performance so yeah yeah i could see yeah. that no doubt so. yeah especially it's different if you're like 19 and trying to make it but yeah totally and your yeah. parents are fully funding you right and <laughs> at that age sure. there's no money from family anymore yeah. <laughs> um, no James, want to get in some quick shots or you got anything? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, we got some uh, questions from the fans, Kevin. We ask online. So we just run you through some kind of quick answer questions and get your thoughts. Um, All right. From Iceman28, what training do you do now that could have helped you during your BMX career? Oh, more squats in the gym. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from Corey Francois. Is it harder to throw a stylish whip on a bike or a proper method on a snowboard? Ooh, proper method on a snowboard, I still haven't perfected. And I still, to this day, want to get that trick dialed. <laughs> so the method. Okay. So um, from Hosser Friedelin. They have two questions, actually. First one, sure. uh, what is a border cross board? How does it distinguish from race pipe or free ride board? Border cross board is about five to 10 centimeters longer. So instead of like a 158, it's a 165 to 170. Um, it's way stiffer and the side cut, the radius is way sharper. So it wants to turn and hold an edge a lot more aggressively than a park or pipe board. Pipe boards do, they're getting stiffer and stiffer because they need to hold that edge really well as well. Mm -hmm. But that's the difference. 
Um, wood core versus foam core, and what do you prefer? Um, wood core, way more stability, um, lasts way longer. Foam core wears out quite quickly. Mm. Uh, this one's from me. Uh, what's more tiring, a lap on the BMX track or a run down the snowboard crowd course? BMX track every day of the week's way harder. <laughs> is, it, is it more tiring? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask, how do you, like, you guys warm up and cool down or not really? We do our best. Um, our warm-ups in the morning are, are stretching and whatever else and leg swings and all the squat hops and all these, all those things, you know. Um, cooling down, we spin at the end of the day after we're done. Otherwise, the lactic acid builds up and we have sore legs the next day. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much people spend in the morning before they go up the hill but our our time frame from when we leave our hotel to when we're actually on the course is pretty big so there'll be like the body warm-up there'll be a lap or two down the down the hill then we'll inspect the course then we'll start training so there's a big spread from when we actually wake up do our our warm-up in the morning to when we actually get on the hill to snowboard so sure. quite a big time difference yeah yeah um, was it your turn, James? Can't remember. Uh, go ahead. Okay, one sec. I got a message. You go. Story's <laughs> getting a phone call in the background. All right, this one's from CMIC132. Um, does jumping, cornering, and air awareness um, and riding beside people transfer between sports? Yeah, they do. All that, yeah. Yeah, they transfer big time between sports. The biggest difference is. People try and stay away from each other's tires in BMX, I find, because you nick someone's tire, you go down real hard to, whether it's asphalt or, or rock hard clay. Yeah. Whereas sporting, I find there's a lot more edge catching and clipping. And you clip an edge snowboarding and you go down. doesn't hurt usually quite as much as the BMX bike, but it happens and it happens a lot in snowboard crossing. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, from Dominique Ray, did BMX help you transition easier? Big time. Yeah. BMX was everything. Cause I found that transitioning from the bike over to the snowboard and having that racing mentality, it, it was a one up on everyone else by, by a long shot. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, from Ellie underscore Shaw, what skill from BMX helped you the most when you transferred, transferred snowboard cross? Pumping. Pumping. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who are your favorite BMXers to watch if you have any? Ah, uh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tori was Tori always up there. And then after that, I've been following you, James. This is the honest truth. And then all-time favorite, because this is way back in the day when I used to train a little bit with Bubba. I mean, yeah. he, he was the master. I I really, really enjoyed watching him race. And yeah. And Mars Stromberg as well. <laughs> Those <Yeah>. two. <laughs> Bubba, was, Bubba was so good. So good. And his style coming from whatever position to first place was yeah. like, like no, just like you, Tori, a lot of the time too, it was like no other. Like that was more impressive than leading start to finish. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Where yeah. did you learn all your skills on the BMX pickup? Because I always remember watching you when I was younger. You're the guy that was kind of having fun throwing manual lines in everywhere. And it was just exciting to watch. But yeah, where did you learn all those skills? Um, I learned those pretty much in the, in a, the parking lot beside the BMX track. Learning how to manual as soon as I got the balance point. Um, I, I thought the skill set was more impressive to have than, than, winning, a, than winning races. 
clearly because I wasn't winning a lot of races and <laughs> I was hanging out there. But being able to manual a straight stretch or two or whatever, three, that I found that was a lot of fun. That's always cool, yeah. Um, <laughs> favorite Netflix show right now? Oh, I forget them as soon as I watch them. <laughs> Let's. It's not Netflix, but um, what's it called? Mon- Montana. What's that show called? We just. I just. Uh, fucking everyone's yeah. watching that. Right Yellowstone. Now. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. That's a well put together show, start to finish. Nothing too so crazy. Pretty wholesome for the most part. It's a good show. That's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Have, you, have either of you guys watched Peaky Blinders? Uh, I've watched some of it. Yeah, okay. I've watched. I've watched like the probably first half of the first season. Uh, they're coming out with a new season, I think, at the end of this week. So I've been rewatching the last season. It's such. So a James, that one, like that one's kind of similar in a way to Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I'd okay. say so. Yeah. Yeah, like the concept is pretty similar. Yeah. You watch Sons of Anarchy, Kevin? I haven't watched it actually. Yeah, that one's, that one's good. That one's good. Yeah. I'm. I'm a big Narcos guy. I know. Oh my God, Narcos is just the best. You would take me for that, but I love Narcos. I just find it quite impressive what they can do and yeah, what they do do is insane. To be yeah. honest, yeah, Narcos, Narcos is a really cool series. Yeah, yeah, definitely like it. How are the after parties at the uh, on the Stormboard races? Well, they used to be they used to be good, so. <laughs> take you back five years or so and they were good pre COVID. they um they they're usually quite quick because we're in and out from event to event and i don't drink myself so i'm usually i'm the chaperone taking care of people getting the getting the kids getting the younger kids to and from but there's been some good parties um so she was one i'll never forget endless as soon as olympics was done you could party for the next 10 days till your tell the it was over and i took care of all my friends and that was i'll never forget the parties after sochi at the olympics <laughs> that's awesome the good that's old days yeah. no nothing will beat those yeah um yeah. chipotle or in and out chipotle oh my goodness it's a- <laughs> that was the fastest answer ever <laughs> i any place that has chipotle that i go I'll eat there every single day if I have a chance. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, you're vegan too, so you wouldn't go to In-N-Out. So Chipotle just works for me, like the yeah, best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. yeah. Uh, do you miss BMX? Do you miss racing? Yep, definitely. Love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. it will, if, there's a, if there's a national series, I will pick up the bike and go have some fun there. I'm not saying I'm going to race anymore, but like, I love riding the track. Yeah, it's so much fun. Right I miss around the track too. Yeah, so. yeah I love that. Well, thanks. Good, What'd you say? Good people too. Like the BMX community has a lot of awesome people. So I really miss that as well. Yeah, one of the coolest things about BMX is the people for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Kevin. We're stoked to have you on and talk to you about uh, about everything. And yeah, congrats on uh, making your third Olympic team. It was really cool to watch you guys. I love watching your race. Thanks very much, you guys. Yeah, that's huge. I'm so grateful to have you on. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy the combo and just hear everything about it because I think there are a lot of people who know about you just from the BMX world too. So it's really cool. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, yeah, thanks, buddy. Take care. Okay. Thanks for having me on. See you guys. See you, buddy. Later. Bye bye.
Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? Get off my back, guys. <laughs> you have to be fast in the truck. I hate that guy. <laughs>